So let's go ahead and jump into the series, into the message. We are actually clipping right along in our series. Um, I was actually talking this week or emailing John Gardner, who helps us with our, with our graphics, and he does a great, great job. And he actually responded. He's like, I cannot believe that uh, we're already in week seven of this series. And I, I kind of was like, oh my gosh, we are. We're only a couple weeks away from actually finishing Philippians. I responded back to him and I said, you know, it has gone fast. It's gone fast for me. I hope it has gone fast for you. Because uh, I was like, if not, then, then we're in trouble. So hopefully you're, you're surprised. I can't believe that we're already in Philippians 3. Hopefully you're not sitting there going, uh, wow, I, I can't believe we're only in Philippians 3. So if you are, keep that to yourself. But anyway, we've been, we've entitled this message, or, or these series, Always Choose Joy. And you know what's interesting is when, when I give a series like this that takes a little bit more time than our normal length of series, God really speaks to me through the series and kind of shows me some things. And as we've been looking at this idea of always choosing joy and how Paul really kind of weaved that, that, that concept all throughout the book of Philippians, uh, we have looked at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. It's kind of also kind of our main verse. And, and Paul in that just simply writes, always be joyful. Um, you know, and talks about how that's kind of a more than just a suggestion. It's a command. It's something that Paul is telling us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we need to always choose joy. We always need to be joyful. And here's what I've learned, at least this is what God has kind of been expressing to me. And this is not really about the message. It's just about the series in general in my own life is when when I don't choose joy, when I am not joyful, it is simply because I'm choosing something else. You know, a lot of times we think, well, I can not choose something, and that doesn't work. We will choose something to focus in on. We will choose joy, and here's what I've learned in my own life. When I'm not joyful, I have to step back and take a moment and go, okay, what am I choosing besides Jesus? Because as we've looked at, as we've talked about through this series, the feeling of joy is, is an emotion, but the foundation of joy starts with a choice. You can choose joy by choosing Jesus. And so when I'm not joyful, I'm choosing something else. And so it, it's where God has really been helping me as, as a just, not, not as a pastor, but just as a follower of Jesus, trying to figure out in my own life, what am I choosing besides Jesus? What is keeping me from what is available to me as a follower of God as far as allowing that joy to be something that, that, that permeates every area of my life? And it's something that's a challenge, but it's also something that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can, we can experience that in our lives. So this morning, we're going to jump into our text that we've broken down. We're still in Philippians 3, and we're going to start, as we've talked about, we're going to read every verse, every word in Philippians throughout our series. So we're going to start in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, and we're going to go to verse 21. So if you have your Bibles, open that up. Obviously, it'll be up on the screen as well, or whatever you use your phone as we jump into this. So this is what it says. Paul is continuing now a thought that we talked about last week. We're going to go back real briefly and talk about last week in just a minute. But let's go ahead and get this looked at right now. It says, not that I've already attained this or, I, or, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Also, let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Father, we love you and we do thank you again for this time. Father, now as we enter into your word and look at these things, Father, I pray that you would help us to have clarity of thought. Father, that you would help my words to cease, that yours would just begin to flow and that those words would just be powerful, not because they're mine, but because they're yours. Father, help us as we look at this very, very important portion of scripture that you would just open us up to hear your words for us today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so last week we kind of talked about some, and here's the deal, Philippians 3 is a very popular portion of scripture. A lot of people have heard some of these verses and things like that, but let's remember, we need to look at all this in context, even though we are breaking this up into sections, we need to remember what we talked about last week, because again, Paul wasn't writing this in sections, we just have those broken down for us today to kind of help us to understand where the verses are, the chapters are, and kind of sub sub headings and things like that. So Paul last week, as we talked about it last week, he's been talking about this goal or this desire he has to know Christ. He says in in verse number 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him into his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. This is the context that Paul is sharing here. He kind of went through his resume to an extent last week and kind of said, listen, if there's anybody who could glory in the flesh, if there's Anybody that could say, man, I've arrived, it's Paul. But Paul says, I counted all his loss for just the desire, just the, the hope to know Christ. And so that's what Paul has been saying. So Paul's looking at all these things. He's like, this is what I want. This is what I desire. And then he continues on in verse 12, but basically saying, listen, I haven't gotten there yet. Now, that's interesting to me. Because Paul has just, in verse, uh, verses, uh, the earlier verses of, of chapter 3, basically just said some amazing things of who he was. And now he's gone even further and he's basically said some more amazing things about what he desires, things that we should desire, things that we should strive for. And then after this guy who writes a majority of the New Testament, who quite honestly, if it, we were looking at the, the most quote-unquote successful Christians in history he would probably be in the top three, maybe the number one guy if we went by that, and then basically says, I'm not there yet. I love that about Paul. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. Paul understood something that we're going to be talking about today. Paul understood, and you've probably heard me say this to you maybe personally or maybe from this area up there on this stage, that the, the Christian life is a journey. And Paul understood that. 
Paul knew that he hadn't gotten there yet. Even though this guy who'd experienced all these things would experience so much more, wrote a large portion of the New Testament, had experiences with God that were just amazing experiences. And he said, guess what? I'm not there yet. I haven't attained these things yet. I'm still striving to experience these things. So Paul knew, and we need to understand this as well, that we're all on a journey. And I've talked about this before. You may be in a different spot on your journey than I am, and that's okay. But when we understand that we're all moving towards something, when we're all on that journey, that it'll help us to understand what we need to be doing and experiencing and growing. And so Paul understood that very, very well. And so he basically begins this process now of saying, this is, I want to know Christ. I want to experience him, but I haven't gotten there yet. So here's where I'm headed. Here's the journey that I am on. And so Paul really begins that. And that's what we're going to look at a little bit this morning is, is our journey. He starts this concept in Philippians 3, verses 12 and 16. Let's look at it again very quickly. He says, not that I've already attained this or already imperfect or already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own brothers I do not consider that I've made it my own but one thing I do forgetting what lies ahead and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on once again towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus and let those who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we've obtained. So Paul, in his writing, in his kind of expression here, he's like, listen, I'm pressing forward. I'm moving on this journey to get some stuff. To, and we're going to look at where he's wanting to go, what he's wanting to obtain, all those things. But before any of us, if we're smart, would ever go on a journey, we would start to plan our journey out. We begin to look at things. Okay, where am I going to stop? How am I going to handle this? I remember back in the olden days when I used to travel. Way back in like 2006. And you remember these days? I know this is going to be hard. And we were going to travel someplace. Em and I were going to go on a trip together. And she, before we would leave, you know, she would ask me, Aaron, did you get the MapQuest directions? Do you remember MapQuest? Yes, this was, this was in the days, you know, thousands of years ago before we just had GPS in our pockets, you know. And we would print out our MapQuest and we would follow and we would look. Okay, we're going to stop here. It's going to take us this long to get there. You know, none of this like instant, you know, ETA nonsense. Now, I know some of you are like, you know, you're sitting there and you're really going, you know, well, you know, I remember when we had the Atlas, you know, <laughs> in the glove compartment, you know, I remember that too, but you know, I'm trying to not to go so far back, but you plan it out. You want to know where do we need to stop? How long are we going to get there? You know, when are we going to get there? Those types of, of experiences were very common. They still are. Obviously, they're a little bit different now. We can kind of do it a little more on the fly. But it was still a part of what we did. Paul begins to kind of plan this journey out a little bit. And we're going to look at this together. The first thing as Paul plans out his journey that we need to understand as well is Paul understands there's a need for the journey. There's a need for it. Like, like he didn't want to just journey to journey. He knew that there was a need for this journey. We find that in verse number 12 where he basically says, I haven't obtained this yet. I'm not perfect yet. 
So he understands, listen, he, he wasn't resting on his laurels. He wasn't saying, man, look how spiritually mature I am. He instead was saying, listen, I need to grow. I need to experience more of who Christ is in my life. He understood there was a need. You know, there's a lot of people in their Christian walks who refuse to go on the journey because they don't get it through their head that there's a need for it. Listen, if you're breathing, there's a need to grow. You will, we're going to talk about arriving later on when we will get there. But if you are breathing this morning, you have things to learn, you have things to grow in. And God wants you to understand that there's a need. Not, not like, oh, I'm so horrible and I'm so terrible, I'm, I'm a horrible... No, 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 no. But with an excitement that understands that, you know what, I'm excited about this. I get to grow. I get to know Christ more. You can almost see that in Paul's writing. He's like, listen, I just want to know Christ. And he's like, and I haven't gotten there yet. There's still more to experience. Any of you that have small children, you kind of experience a little bit of this. Kind of work out and before your eyes, you know. Because when you get a child, what I've found, at least with, with most kids, is as soon as they're old enough to talk and walk and kind of begin to kind of have a personality, most kids have kind of this one desire. You know, you know what it is? I want to be big. I want to grow up. I want to be a big boy. I want to be a big girl. How do we encourage them? Oh, you're a big girl. You did this, or you did that, or you went in the potty, or whatever it might be. I mean, you know, it's like, woo! And you know what they do? Yeah, I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. And there's a desire for that. You know, it's interesting. There's at some point, it happens different for everyone, where all of a sudden we want to stop growing up and actually get young again. I don't know what age that was for you. But for children, it's this desire. To always want to grow up. They, they, they're not satisfied. And you know how Jesus talked about the little children? And he said, you know what? If you don't come to the kingdom like a child, you're going to have a real hard time finding it. I think this is one of those things that Jesus was talking about in children. They have a desire. They have this understanding that they want to grow up. There, there, there is this, this where childlike faith meets real maturity is here. It says, a child can't wait to be bigger and always wants to be more mature. We, I think God has called us in our childlike faith to have a desire to says, I want to be a big boy. I want to be a big girl for Jesus. I want to grow up. And you, that may sound simple to you and elementary to you, but you know what? There's something beautiful about the childlike faith of a child that just says, I'm not done yet. I want to grow up more. We sing songs even in children's church about it. Like, I'm not all I'm going to be yet. I'm still growing. And that's a beautiful thing. And Paul kind of shares that with us, this idea that there's a need. We haven't yet arrived. Number two, Paul understands the pitfalls of the journey. He shares those pitfalls in verse number 13. This idea of basically saying, you know what? There's things that lie behind I got to forget about. And you talk about Paul's life. There were some hard things to forget. There were some things in Paul's life in his past that really could have pulled him backwards. And I'm sure there were times in his quiet place and when, when no one else was around where the enemy would come and he would attack Paul just like he attacks us and say, man, you know what you've done in your past? You know what you've experienced in your past? You know how many people have been killed because of you? 
in your past? Now listen, I know we all have pasts. Some may be, in, you know, to, to you may be more horrible than mine or vice versa. I don't know. But you know what? Paul understood something. That if he was going to be able to continue on this journey, he was not going to be able to allow his past to stop him from doing that. And for some of us, we say, God says, listen, I want you to grow. I want you to get more mature. And we go, but God, do you know what I did yesterday? Paul's saying, you know what? I'm forgetting about those things. Here's the thing. And this is important. I love here that in verse 13, Paul says, though, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what's ahead. Let me help you out with something here because I think we mess this up sometimes. I know I do. This is a two-part process that sometimes we don't understand. Paul forgets what's behind. That is step one. And then he strains forward for what's ahead. That's step two. Some of us don't want to forget about our past, but think that we can strain ahead without forgetting our past. And some of us don't want to strain ahead. We just don't want to live there in the past. You can't do that to grow the way God wants you to. It's two steps. We have to forget what we've done in the past. And here's how we can do that. Are you ready? Because when we've asked for forgiveness, it's under the blood and God has forgotten it. You get it? It's gone. Separated as far as the east is from the west. So we can move forward because God, who we sinned against, has pushed it behind. So we can move behind, let it go behind, but then we have to be moving forward to something else. And Paul communicates that. We have to remember that. We have to be moving forward for that. Listen, we often let the things that, which are behind distract us. Whether they be good things or bad things. Looking at what is in the past often keeps us for what God has for us in the future. Okay, so it's not just about this idea of forgetting. It's now we're moving forward. We're straining forward on our journey. Because here's what I've learned about journeys. Let's say you get a flat tire. on your, You're, you're going to drive from, from Colorado, Denver area. You're going to drive to, um, let's say, um, oh, I don't know, Los Angeles. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where we're going. We decide we're going to go there. You start heading that way, heading west, going to Los Angeles. Why, I don't know. But that's where you're going, okay? See a baseball game, whatever. You're heading that way. And somewhere between there and there, you get a flat tire. You are stopped on your journey. Now, you may say, Aaron, guess what we did? What did you do? Tell me about your trip. Well, we got somewhere in the middle of the desert in Arizona, and we got a flat tire. I said, oh, girl, oh, I'm so sorry. What did you do about it? We fixed the flat tire. Great. Why are you still in Arizona? Because just fixing the flat tire doesn't get you to L.A. You got to get back in the car and start driving again. For some of us, we think that we've had past experiences and we've had some flat tires in our lives. We all have had some flat tires. And yeah, God wants to help you heal the hurt, get some forgiveness, get some wholeness, do all those things and get your flat tire fixed. But if you don't get back in your car and drive towards your destination, you're not moving anywhere. And we've made that mistake sometimes in our spiritual walk with Jesus. So let's remember, we got to get in, we got to get going, we got to continue the journey. Number three, Paul understands the prize 
of the journey. In verse number 14, he kind of mentions that. He, once again, he says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, it's interesting here, the wording that Paul uses and what Paul is wanting to communicate to us. Okay, Because sometimes in Scripture, you know, it's kind of left a little bit, well, is the prize this, is the prize that? Paul tells us what the prize is here. And it's a little, maybe a little different than we thought it might be. To him, in this moment, the prize. Now, here, here's the deal. There's the difference, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. There's a difference between a prize and the destination. You get it? Okay. So Paul here is talking about what he gets to enjoy on the journey. The prize on the journey is not the destination. And the prize to Paul, he specifically says, is the upward call of God. Listen, this is in your notes. The prize is the call itself. Not the benefits that come from the call or any other thing. The prize is to be able to run the race at all. Working with God as a partner to do the work of the kingdom. That's important, folks. Because if you get your eyes off the prize on the race, you're going to have some issues. And Paul here says, listen, it's not about the benefits of all these things that come. It's simply about being able to partner with Jesus to accomplish God's will for this world. It's not look at me. It's not look at all this. It's simply his thing. Of like, like, like the greatest thing for Paul was that God called him to partner with him to make a difference in the world. And you go, well, yeah, Aaron, well, yeah, but that, that, that's Paul. That's not me. Listen, God has called every single one of us. Every single one of us have a call on our lives. Some are different. Some are more this type of calling and other calls. But every single one of us have a call. And that is an amazing thing. Think about that for a second. Like, like try, to, try to take a step back and go, the God of the universe, who doesn't need anything, who can speak the world into existence, wants me to partner with him. That blew Paul's mind, and it should blow yours. And a lot of times, because that's so mind-blowing, we go, no, no, God, God couldn't use me. No, 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 God has called you, and it's a prize to enjoy. It's a prize to grab a hold of. It is a prize that he wants us to use to partner with him on our journey. So Paul brings... this to us. He says, listen, this is the need, this is the situation, but, but then he continues on as we continue on in our scriptures, and Paul begins to talk about some traveling companions. You know, I don't know about you, I, 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 when I travel, it's, it's either boring because I'm by myself or I'm with my family, which makes it a lot more fun. 
But there's traveling companions that you have. And Paul begins to share a little bit about them. Starting with verse number 17. He says, brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their bellies, and their glory is in their shame with their mind set on earthly things. So Paul here begins by giving us some really good examples. He gives himself as an example. We'll see why in a minute. He also gives others are, as far as an example to, to see and to walk and things like that. Paul also kind of brings this up in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, when he writes to the church in Corinth. He basically says similar things. He says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. But here's what's great about that. Paul doesn't just say that in 1 Corinthians. Now he repeats it also in Philippians. But when he repeats it in Philippians, he also says, listen, there's others too. There's others too that you can follow. There you can, there's others that you can look at as an example. Listen, I want you to understand this. You need to have good, good examples to follow in your Christian walk. Like you are not an island. You need that. It's important to have that. Listen, we understand that while it's true, we must all ultimately look to Jesus. Every one of us should be an example to those who look to Jesus, but also find an example of someone that points you to Jesus. You get to be an example, and you need to find an example. This is important as we experience what I believe God wants to do in big C church around the world. Because quite honestly, there's some bad examples out there that we need to counter with men and women of God who love him, who are stand on truth. And so Paul says, listen, if you want an example, as I follow Christ, you follow me. You, you take that example that I'm giving. So on your journey, we need to find some people that can help you, that can kind of that iron sharpening iron type of situation in our Christian walk. But then he goes on and he says, you know what? But there's also some bad examples. Now, here's the deal. I want, before we get into this, because I thought about this earlier, it's going to be real, real easy for all of us to, in this moment, go, mm, let's think about all the bad examples in my life. Let's start naming them. There's so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Listen, before you start naming bad examples in your life, can, we do me, can you do me a favor? Let's look at these together openly and honestly and realize and hope and pray that maybe we're not one of the bad examples. Because I will only speak for myself. I will not speak for you. I know there are times where I have been a bad example. And so it starts with us before we start to look at the bad examples maybe in our lives, which I'm sure there are some. And so Paul begins to give some of these traits. He doesn't just say good examples, bad examples. He says, let me tell you what some of these bad examples look like and how we can kind of tell. And that's important, not just so that we can tell the bad examples in our lives, but so that we can also look at our own hearts and our own lives and see uh, those things. So, so, so traits of some of these bad examples whose end is destruction. Number one, this idea of idolatry. It's idolatry. He says basically their God is in their bellies. He's not complaining or saying these people are eating too much. He's basically talking about people who put things over God, whether they be pleasures, whether they be things, whether it, that really doesn't matter what it is, but anything that you put over God is an idol in your life. 
And he says, listen, you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware that there's going to be people in your life that may be looking like they're on the journey with you, but you know what? They're serving something else. You need to be aware of that. Their end, if they don't repent, is destruction. Number two, the second thing he talks about is people with misplaced priorities. Misplaced priorities. When he talks about their glory is in their shame. What's interesting about that is their glory. The things that they are excited about, that they glory in, are actually the things that they should be ashamed of. But we don't live in a world like that at all today, do we? Where sin is celebrated. Where things that should have been not good have been called bad. And things that are bad have been called good. We're living in a world where the priorities are messed up. Because our priorities and our focus aren't on God and His Word. So they glory in their shame. The last thing, they have the wrong focus. They have the wrong focus. They set their mind on earthly things. Uh, Instead of heavenly things, earthly things, their focus is not where it should be. Instead of worrying about praising God, worshiping Him, living for Him, standing for His truth, instead they're focused in on other things that are not what we need to be focused in on. So we have our journey. We have our companions on our journey. And you know what? I am not, maybe you're this way. I am not this way. Okay? Like it always blew me out of the water as a youth pastor. And, and again, this was, there was nothing wrong with this. If any of my old youth people are watching that did this, nothing wrong with this. I'm just saying I couldn't do it. Okay? But they would graduate high school, and then they were like, I'm just going to get in my car, and I'm just going to go to the West Coast and drive around. Huh? No, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, what do you get? Wait, no. Like, do you know where you're going? Go- no, I'm just going to start here, I'm just going to drive up the coast, and I'm going to see this. But, 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 <laughs> I, I know I'm a dinosaur, but, like, do you have a destination? Do you? Nope. I'll see you in three months. Like, okay. If you can do that, God bless you. No worries. But I cannot. Like, I have to know where I am going. You say, you want, you want, I don't care where you want to go. I don't care about that. But you got to tell me. You, I'm, I'm, I'm not Abraham, okay? God looked at Abraham and said, go, I'll tell you when you get there. I'm like, nope. I'm staying in, you know, Ur of the Chaldees. I'm not leaving, you know. Paul, I think, is kind of like me. Maybe this is the only way that Paul and I are alike. But Paul says, listen, I I want you to know the destination of this journey. Now, remember, we talked about the prize earlier. This is not what Paul's talking about here. Now, Paul begins to show us our final and ultimate destination. Let's finish this up. Philippians 3, starting with verse number 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Remember, he just talked about these bad examples. And from it, we await a Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Man, I love that. I love that as we conclude chapter 3, literally one of the most theologically dense portions of Scripture in the entire Bible, especially the New Testament. 
How does he end it? He says, you know what? I, I want to know Christ. All the stuff I count as lost. I count Christ as gain. I want to know him. But you know what? I'm not there yet. I'm going to go on this journey. I'm going to stride forward towards it. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to grab the prize. I'm going to take the good examples and use them. I'm going to shun the bad examples and not let them affect my life. I'm not going to be a bad example. Because you know why? Because the destination is worth it. The destination is amazing. And it's amazing here how Paul writes. Remember all the way back in week one, we talked a little bit about this, this, this city called Philippi. And we talked about how it was a Roman colony. The people in this colony were very proud that they were Roman citizens. It mattered a great deal. And Paul, to these people who have basically said, them, look at me, I'm a Roman citizen. Look how amazing I am because of this. I'm Rome and Rome and Rome, but yet we're saved by the power and the grace of God. He's like, you know what? Forget that citizenship. You're now citizens of heaven. You now have a different address than you had before. And I love how Paul will do this throughout most of his letters as he's writing to certain churches in certain areas, he uses wording that they would get immediately because of what mattered to them. Listen, it's in your notes. Paul is saying, just as the Roman colonists never forgot that they belonged to Rome, you must never forget that you are a citizen of heaven and your conduct must match your citizenship. He says, listen, you're not, this isn't your home here. You have a greater citizenship, and it's heaven. It's with Jesus. It's with him. I love that it says not only is our citizenship in heaven, but it says, and from it, we await Jesus. The greatest thing of your citizenship is not where you'll reside. It's who will be with you when you get there. Amen. It's him. He says, you know what? Heaven's going to be great. Going to you know, it's going to be amazing. But you know what I've learned when I look at Scripture? The heaven that you are so interested in getting at, God will take and he was going to basically put to the flame. Why? He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Yes, he will. It's going to be amazing. But you know what's going to make it the most incredible? It's Jesus. It's our God. I love in Revelation where God says, I will now come and they will be my people and I will be their God. And it's just this intimate moment where I just like, mm, yes, streets of gold, you can have them. Mansion, whatever. I want Jesus. It's who we want. It's our destination. It's him. We want to choose joy, we choose Jesus. We want to have peace, we choose Jesus. We want to have true love, fulfilling love, we choose Jesus. It's all found in him and we're a citizen of that place and we must conduct ourselves accordingly why should we be different from those that are citizens of the world it's simple we have a different citizenship okay i'm going to talk about them i know they're gone they are coming back okay but one thing i have learned about helmet and janine they're still in south africa they have a different citizenship than we do. Now you go, so what? That doesn't matter. What I mean by that is this. They understand customs differently than we do. They use words differently than we do. There's a difference between us. 
Now, here's what's amazing that I've noticed in about a year, especially with the kiddos, because they, they get it first. They're slowly, even though it's not legal, you get what I'm saying? They're slowly transitioning their citizenship to us. There's a difference in the way they talk, in the way they say things and experience things, and, and how many do you need the same way? And you know what? We've kind of talked to them. M, M is text Janine and been keeping in contact. They have gone back to their home and it feels foreign to them. Just a little bit. And the longer they're here, the more different that will feel. Listen, when you've accepted Jesus, you have transferred your citizenship. But you know what? It does take some time to leave the old and completely embrace the new. You're on a journey. And you need to understand that. But as we grow in that, as our citizenship becomes more clear, our conduct will then match our citizenship. But not only that. Now listen, that's plenty. <laughs> that's good. I'm like Paul could have been like, period, done, happy. But he takes it one step further. Not only does he talk about our final destination and ultimate destination being with Jesus, but he also says, listen, he's going to transform your body. Oh, yeah. I don't know about you. Like, as a child, reading that, I'm like, so what? Am I going to fly? That'd be cool. Am I going to fly? Yeah, fly. That'd be cool. The older I'm getting, the more lowly my body is becoming, the more I am excited about this situation. And we're going to be transformed. Not only do we get to be with Jesus, not only do we experience him, but he's going to transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. No more hurt. No more pain. And you know, here's the deal. A lot of times we talk about our glorious body. You know what we talk about? We talk about the physical, like no more pain, no more hurt, no more stub in our toes. But you know what I think we need to really help people understand, especially in our world today? That your body, your glorified body, is also going to include a brand new mind. No more depression. No more anxiety. No more worry. No more tears. No more sadness. All those things will be wiped away in that moment. When God says, you know what? That lowly body is gone. Behold, all things are new. Not only do we get Jesus, we get something so much better. Listen, you need to get this. Jesus was not merely resuscitated from the dead in the same body when he rose. He was resurrected in a new body, patterned after the old, yet equipped and fitted for heaven. I want that body. I want that body. And I don't want it because you get all the good stuff, although I'm excited about those things. I want it because 
I'll be like Jesus. It's, the, it's, a, it's a moment where on our journey to be like him, we cross that threshold and even our bodies become like his glorified body. That is the greatness of the love and the plan that God has for you and for me. And Paul here, he says, you know what? You know, remember, we talked about this before. Paul's writing this under house arrest. He's writing this in a situation where, you know what? It's not easy. It's not fun right now. He can't do what he wants when he wants. It's not a good moment. And you know what? Even though, at least as far as I remember off the top of my head, throughout verses 12 through 21, we don't see the word joy or rejoice, even though we've seen it all throughout Scripture. Listen, this is something to be joyful about. To be called by God, to go on this journey with Him, to know that even though it's hard at times, and sometimes we experience good examples and bad examples, all these things that happen in our lives, at the end of the journey, there'll be Jesus. There'll be Jesus. I know some of you know this. It's, it's, it's one of those things that, as I look at this passage of Scripture, it, 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 just, it just begins to bubble up inside of me, that joy that says, you know what? Yeah, life may be hard at times. You know what? I may get tired at times. You know, this, this body may be more lowly than at other times in my life, but you know what? I'm going to keep going on this journey. I'm going to keep striving forward on this journey and ultimately allow the destination, and the prize, and Jesus be what encourages me to keep going on for him. Let's close our eyes. Let's close. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. God has called every single one of us on this journey. Some of us, again, we're all in different spots. One of the things that can kind of derail our journeys a lot of times is when we begin to look at other people and where they're at on their journey and 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 quite honestly if we look at that as an encouragement and as an example that's great but a lot of times we look at it as a discouragement you know I'm, I'm not where I should be or you know listen you know none of us remember we go all the way back to the beginning none of us have gotten there yet it's, it's not about the fact that you're not there yet instead it's about are you on your journey are you allowing God to help you as you strive towards what God has really called you for and to. And here's what I know and here's what I believe. That as we take those steps, as we say, you know what? I'm going to go on this journey that God will be there. As Jesus has told us, he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. One of the greatest things about your journey is you never are alone in it. Yeah, there'll be people that'll come in and out of your life, in and out of your journey, whether that be just because, well, they're my friends for now and they moved away, or, or maybe, maybe they were a little further on their journey and they've already gone and, and met Jesus in their destination, you know? There will be people that'll come in and out of our journey all the time, but the thing that we need to remember, there is a constant in our journey and his name is Jesus. 
you never are alone. There might be moments where it's hard. There may be moments of storm. There may be moments of difficulty. There may be moments where where things are not going the way you wanted them to go. But I just want to encourage you, keep striving forward. Keep looking to grow. Never get to this place where, where you believe that you have arrived. You have not arrived. I'm just telling you right now, out of love and concern, you have not arrived. If you're breathing, you haven't arrived. Some of you may be really close. Some of you may be far away from the destination. I don't know. But what I do know is that God has more. I don't always understand that. Trust me. I don't always get that. Trust me. There are times where I look at it and I go, God, really there's still more that you want to do here? But I have to trust him in that. And know that the answer is always yes. We're not at the destination yet. But I will say this. There is a destination, and every single one of us will eventually find it. And when we do, I want that glorified body. I want to be with Jesus. I want to hear him say, well done. You know why Jesus says well done to people? Because they finished their journey. They finished it in a way that says, you know what? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep striving. I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep doing the things that I need me to do, that God wants me to do. You know, when I fall down and I hurt myself and it doesn't go well, you know what? I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep moving. You're all on a journey. Let's embrace it again. And know that throughout all of it, Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. So Jesus, we come to you right now and we thank you. God, we thank you that that Paul was such an amazing man. He knew you so well. And even he looked at it and said, you know what? I haven't gotten there yet. He was still striving. He was still desiring. He was still wanting to grow in you. And Father, that should be and needs to be the cry of all of our hearts. That we would know you and that we would go on a journey to make that happen. So that at the end, our destination was sure in your presence. So God, if if we need to accept you for the first time. That God, that we would do that right now. That we would proclaim that that you are Lord. That we would believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that you're Lord and then therefore be saved. For others, maybe that we did that a long time ago, but yet we've kind of stopped on our journey or maybe we thought we've arrived or whatever. Or, Or maybe we've just decided, you know what? I had a flat tire and I'm just not really confident about moving forward anymore. God, wherever we're at, that God, that you would help every single one of us know that it's time to continue with you and grow in you. Father, we love you. We thank you. You're so good.
And we're just so amazed that you have done all that you have done for us. Not because of us, but because of you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, listen, have a wonderful week. Continue to strive. Remember, as we've kind of talked about over the last several weeks, spend some time this week in Philippians 3, 12 through 21. Read it every day. Let God speak to you. Maybe there's some things that God wants to share that, that to you personally that maybe I didn't even see. And I think that's awesome. I think God does that all the time. So take some time to do that. Next week is Donuts for Dad. Um, well, hopefully all the guys will be here. We'll have a great time. But listen, have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you soon.